Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jan Gilbert, and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Eternal God, you are the power behind all things, behind the energy of the storm, behind the heat of a million stars. Eternal God, you are the power behind all minds, behind the ability to think and reason, behind all understanding of the truth. Eternal God, you are the power behind the cross of Christ, behind the weakness, the torture, and the death, behind unconquerable love. Eternal God, we worship and adore you. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
we have been summoned to worship. Thank you, Andrea. Let us stand for the call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God. You have heard what was written about Jesus in Scripture, how he suffered, 
and died and then rose from the dead on the third day. How through his death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sin is now possible for all who repent and believe. So let us boldly approach the throne of God where we will find grace and mercy and confess our sins. Let us pray. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now in unity of heart with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors, paying special attention to anyone you might not know yet.
Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms on this beautiful, beautiful morning. We're glad that you have found your way here to be in worship with us and to be praying for all those Michigan State fans that they have humility. (laughs) Humility, it's a good gift for (laughs) college football fans. We uh, are grateful that if you're, especially if you're visiting with us today um, and don't know the inside joke, that's good. Uh, (laughs) But we would love to uh, know of your presence, love for you to sign the friendship pads which are in the pews, pass those along to your neighbors. Uh, That's just not a thing we just do. It's something we really try to pay attention to as people in the Church of the Palms to look for people we don't know so that we can welcome them into our life. So hopefully you'll find on that pad someone that can be a new friend along the way. And we would love to have you join us outside underneath the beautiful tree on this beautiful day for some uh, fellowship time together. A couple things to call to your attention as we look ahead. First of all, uh, looking ahead to next Saturday, we have a couple of things. Uh, Flu shots are being given out, so if you uh, have yet to get yours, we will have a clinic here for a couple of hours on Saturday morning. Details in your bulletin. Later that day, which uh, is All Saints Day, we will have our little All Saints celebration, and uh, there's information about that in your bulletin as well. Come for a little refreshment and meal and a time to celebrate uh, being an All Saint, being saints ourselves, dressing up as your favorite saint. Um, and so we uh, would love to have you do that and take note of that announcement. And if you'd like to learn more about that, Mingi's the person to talk to. Right, Mingi? Yes. St. Mingi. Yes, yes. <coughs> A couple of notes just about our Sunday morning activity. Uh, we have uh, our Bible study, of course, over in the chapel building, but it's not going to be in the chapel per se. It'll be in the chapel reception room. So take note of that little change this morning. We do have our eight o'clock service, which we started about a month or so ago, and we have, are really enjoying a great fellowship there. If you'd like to explore that as another uh, worship opportunity here at Church of the Palms, we have communion every Sunday, chance to be in intimate worship together, and uh, we'd love to have you come and try that out, eight o'clock every Sunday morning. And this morning, uh, we have our anthem. Our second uh, hymn is actually an anthem, so we're going to be having the choir sing, but we're going to be inviting you to stand in the midst of it to sing along with them. So take note of that uh, in your bulletin as well. And we have been uh, pursuing a relationship in Nicaragua through our youth ministry. Our family ministry has been going down over the last couple of years to connect with uh, the good folks in Nicaragua to establish some relationship with them. And we have a video that we'd like to show you a little bit about, about that and how you might be able to participate in the upcoming months and years. I made were really life-changing. It really opened my eyes and changed my life. 
it was the home day with our me and Jeff's good friend Ayla, who just brought us into his house and showed us the uttermost hospitality. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks to you that you love every people. We thank you for your many gifts of grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you for blessing us with wisdom to know your way and to follow in the path of Christ. We praise you, O God, for the joy we know deep down within us as your children and the hope we feel for you alone hold the course of history in your hand. 
We pray for those killed and or injured in recent school terror attacks. We pray for people caught in the ongoing war with ISIS and other conflicts. Lord, we ask that you grant safety to our armed forces and missionaries whose service take them away into danger. We pray that you will continue to bless and touch with your healing hands those we love who are not well. Especially we lift up David Wachtel, who is suffering and is recovering. We remember all those others who are seeking for health in your healing, and we lift up those who are getting ready to come home to you and their families. We remember to pray for your comfort for those who have lost their loved ones. We pray that you will wrap around your healing and comforting arms around each and every one of them. We lift up our children and youth and those who lead them and teach them. We pray that you'll continue to guide them according to your will. Bless all those elders and deacons and Stephen ministers and all those who serve whose titles are not named. We remember to give you thanks for all of them and we pray that you will continue to lead them and guide them. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God in the giving of our offerings and tithings.
Father, make giving a blessing for us and not a chore. As we reflect upon all you have given us, done for us, been in us, help us to more appreciate all that you are and help us to be more grateful as we move into uh, our life with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. And now, here come our children with Lori. <laughs> Thank you. So any kids, if you want to come down front, come have a seat anywhere except here. This is a very special chair, actually, so nice. There we go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Hi. Great job bringing your Bible. Excellent. Uh, great. Good morning. Good morning. I want to introduce you to my friend Hayes Lever. Hayes is a freshman at Pineview, and she's going to help me with the children's moment today. And our children's moment is on socks. What do you think of when you see this little itty bitty sock? What do you think, Kara? Thinks of babies. Excellent. You are so right on. Well, this story is about a baby and a powerful king. Would someone like to be King Solomon for me? Thank you. Have a, have a seat in your throne. Grant, it's a silent part. Do you still want it? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Put that on. Sorry about that. So here's what happened. One night, two women each had a baby boy. They were so excited. Congratulations. Congratulations to you, too. So they went to bed that night, and something really sad happened. One of the babies died. <laughs> so you know what happened? This woman went and traded babies. She took that woman's live baby, because it was a boy, and pretended like it was her own, and everything was fine until the next morning when they woke up. This, my baby's dead, but it's not mine. That's your baby, because this is my baby. No, that's my baby. They fought back and forth, and they didn't have DNA testing, so they couldn't figure out whose baby it was. So you know what they did? They took the live baby up to King Solomon, and King Solomon, who, by the way, had a dream, and he could pray for anything that he wanted. And you know what he asked for? Wisdom. He asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for riches or gold. And so now he's being tested by this wisdom, and he says what he thinks is a really wise thing. You know what he said? He said, give me my sword. We're going to slice this baby in two, and then each of the moms can take half of the baby. That doesn't sound very wise, does it? No, no, don't hurt the baby. Give it to her. Oh, that's where the wisdom comes in. As soon as he heard the real mother say, don't hurt the baby, he knew she was the real mother. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Hayes, what did you think about these two women fighting over a baby? I thought it was sad. I thought it was sad that the one mom lied about the baby, but at least there were two people who really wanted the baby. What do you mean by that? Well, my family's a foster family. That means we take care of kids who can't stay at home or they don't have anybody to care for them. Are there very many kids that are like that? There's about 1,200 kids in Sarasota, Manatee, and DeSoto counties. Wow, 1,200 kids in foster care. Well, you had told me that these little socks reminded you of something else. What else did they remind you of? All the foster kids who don't have clean socks and underwear. Why is that? Well, because people think to donate their gently used clothes to the clothes closets, but they have to, the socks and underwear have to be new. So what could we do to help? I want to do a socks and underwear drive here at Church of the Palms. 
Excellent. So we would just go out and buy socks and underwear and bring them here? Yes. Where would we drop them off? I'm going to have a decorated box under the tree on Sundays, and you can drop them off in the office during the week. So if we're out shopping, you know what we need to know? How big should the socks be? How big should the underwear be? How old are these kids? Anywhere from zero to age 17. Wow. Well, I think she can count on us to bring in clean and not clean, actually brand new. <laughs> I didn't ask who put on new underwear this morning, did I? Clean underwear. That she could count on us to bring in new socks and underwear. Can she count on you guys? Yes. Yes. Can she count on you to bring in socks and underwear for our foster children? Hayes, you are 14 years old. You have tons of fun things that you could be doing. Why are you doing this? I wanted to be wise like King Solomon and do something important. Excellent. Thank you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for wisdom and leadership shown by King Solomon and by teenagers like Hayes. Help us to do our part to be wise and to serve and love others. Amen.
is one of those Sundays where the sermon is very anticlimactic. <laughs> Thanks to our music leadership, we are grateful, so grateful. Just a quick word of information where um, some of you may be uh, wondering whether or not you're going to be getting your pledge card soon. We are actually moving our pledging time to the beginning of the year, uh, after the first of the year, when we gather up all of our congregation from the north and from the south and the east and the west. Uh, we'll be here and we'll be inviting you to uh, make your pledges at that point in time. That's not to say that if you really want to make a pledge prior to that, those pledge cards will be available in a couple of weeks uh, for you, but uh, we will be focusing on our 2015 ministry and mission uh, in, the weeks, in the weeks and months of the beginning of the year. We uh, do invite you to continue to be focused in our ministry and mission of 2014 as we complete out our year. We are grateful for the response that you have made over the course of this year and getting us to a point where we feel where we are uh, being able to fund all of the important missions and ministries of our church. Our mission partners will be fully funded by the end of this year and our ministry programs will be fully funded. We have uh, left um, greatly underfunded our capital reserve fund, so we hope that maybe you'll keep that in mind as you continue in your giving through the rest of this year so that we can finish the year strong and have some good reserves and be uh, ready for the upcoming year uh, in 2015. We are continuing in our story of uh, the great providences of God as revealed to us in the scriptures and we are in the Old Testament and as always uh, you, you hear the story best from the children's moment and, uh, but you'll hear the story again as it comes to us from 1 Kings uh, chapter 3 the story of Solomon and his wisdom. Hear the word of God. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place, and Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, Well, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. You have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord. And Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. 
If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. And Solomon awoke, and it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem where he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and he offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast for all his servants. Later, two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, please, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I give birth while she was in the house. And then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth and we were together there. No one else was with us in the house. Only the two of us were in the house. And then this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and she laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at mine. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, I saw that he was dead. But when I looked at him and closely in the morning, clearly it was not the son I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living son is mine and the dead son is yours. And the first said, no, the dead son is yours and the living son is mine. So they argued before the king. And the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. While the other says, not so, your son is dead and my son is the living one. So the king said, bring me a sword. He brought a sword before the king. The king said, divide the living boy in two and then give half one to half to the one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive and said to the king, because compassion for her son burned within her, please, my lord, give her the living boy. Certainly do not kill him. And the other said, it shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide it. And the king responded, give the first woman the living boy. Do not kill him. She is his mother. All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. They stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was within him to execute justice. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, and yes, with your wisdom, Allow these words to be words that point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. On February 11th, 1861, the newly elected president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, gathered with his friends and family and fellow citizens at Springfield at the train station there to bid farewell as he prepared to make the long trip from Springfield to Washington to assume office. The country was at the brink of collapse. The wave of secession had begun, the union was at risk, the question of slavery seemingly unanswerable. The cloud of war hovered above Washington. So there Lincoln stood before his hometown crowd, all of them eager to hear a last word from this son of Springfield and now leader of their country. And these were Lincoln's words. My friends, no one not in my situation can appreciate my feeling of sadness at this parting. To this place and the kindness of these people, I owe everything. Here I have lived a quarter of a century and have passed from a young to an old man. Here my children have been born and one is buried. I now leave, not knowing when or whether ever I may return, with a task before me greater than that which rested upon Washington. 
Without the assistance of the divine being who ever attended him, I cannot succeed. With that assistance, I cannot fail. Trusting in him who can go with me and remain with you and be everywhere for good, let us confidently hope that all will yet be well. To his care commending you, as I hope in your prayers you will commend me, I bid you an affectionate farewell. If there's anything that Abraham Lincoln knew about himself as his train made its way across the plains of the Midwest and the mountains of the Alleghenies, was that he was clearly a man who was in over his head. Later that same day, after saying farewell to the Springfield crowd, Lincoln disembarked from a train in Indianapolis and called himself an accidental instrument of the Union. An accidental instrument. When was the last time you ever heard a politician refer to himself or herself as an accidental instrument? Lincoln knew he was in over his head. One wonders if this was not the mindset of the new king of Israel, King Solomon. Last week, Bruce did a wonderful job of detailing the tragic events of his predecessor, his father, King David. Never did a leader have so much going for him, King David, and never did a leader give away so much of it. David, a man, we're told, who was after God's own heart, gave away the farm through acts of adultery, murder, cover-up, and just plain arrogance. The result being one son who dies and another son who seeks to mount a coup against him. And at the bottom of it all was a man who did not understand how over the head he really was. He had led himself to believe that he was somehow above it all. Above it all, though, is never a good place to be. He had not learned, really, from the king who had preceded him, King Saul, who almost from the start was in over his head, but not knowing that he was in over his head, failed to heed and hear the voice of God and the result was a tragic end to his reign. So Solomon takes to the throne, dare we say, an accidental instrument, and the Lord appears to him in a dream and invites him to ask for anything that he wants, and it will be granted to him. What an offer, a once-in-a-lifetime offer. Imagine what you might do with that kind of an offer, kind of like that age-old party question. If someone gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it? And so if we take that question seriously, we find ourselves in some kind of internal sorting out of ourselves. How selfish would I be? How altruistic would I be? You probably read last year the Canadian lottery winner, Tom Christ, who donated his entire $40 million prize to cancer research. Of course, we would always imagine ourselves doing something like that. We always think that we would do better than likely we would. But in most times, our nature truly comes through. So Solomon looks back at the unraveling of his father's kingdom and of Saul's kingdom, and through a strange course of events, he is thrust to the throne, and not just thrust to the throne, he's given an offer from God that no one could refuse. Have anything you want, God says. Solomon says, I'm only a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern 
this your people. Solomon was in over his head. And perhaps the wisest thing that Solomon ever did was admit what little wisdom he had. The wisest thing Solomon ever did was admit what little wisdom he had. He was in over his head, and though he was king, and though he had the power of the throne, and though he had command of the armies, and though he had a God who was willing to give him whatever he wanted, Solomon saw himself for who he was, a little child who did not know whether he was coming or going. Now, can we be honest? That's not what we really want, is it? We really don't want from ourselves or from our leaders someone who really thinks he's in over his head. That's just not how to play the game. We want from our leaders, our politicians, someone who thinks he knows what he's doing, someone who has some sense of assurance, someone who's got a plan, someone who has enough confidence in herself that she can get it done. Of course we want that. And every self-help book in the bookstore tells us the same about ourselves. We need to take control. We need to make decisions. We need to chart a course. We need to exude self-confidence. Nothing against these things. The Lord knows how many times I wish for leaders and myself strong ideas and strong ways of getting them done. So this idea of being in over your head is not something we warm up to. It's almost un-American. Here's the truth. We are in over our heads. To be human is to be in over your head. Because the truth is the world is too big and we are too small. The issues are too big and our minds are too little. The problems are too complex and we are too simple. And wasn't it Solomon who said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom which is to say that at the end of the day, you and I are operating off of very little information and that with each attempt we make to do the right thing, there comes this utter dependency of the presence and guidance of God. And maybe the first thing that should come to mind when we sense we are so right is the utter belief that maybe we are so wrong. That the peephole through which we look at the world may not be giving us the grand view that only the Creator possesses. That we do, Paul says, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Sitting on the desk of President John F. Kennedy was a small plaque given to him by one of his admirals, Admiral Hyman Rickover, and it contained the words of the Breton Fisherman's Prayer. And the prayer goes like this. O oh God, thy sea is so great, and my boat is so small. O oh God, thy sea is so great, and my boat is so small. The leader of the free world stared at those words every day. And so as to prove the point, as the story goes, Solomon is approached by two prostitutes who are fighting over one baby, and one says it's her, and the other says it's hers. And they've come to the king to get some resolution, adjudicate the case, king. Whose baby is this? Who has the rights to this child? Let, let's see how wise you really are. 
And as the story unfolds, we learn something from the young king. We learn something about wisdom. And what we learn about wisdom is not so much the cleverness of the king's response, the offer to sever the baby in two, but what the king saw that no one had yet seen. And what the king saw was a soul. What the king saw in that baby was a soul. And when the king offered to cut in half what the women saw as a possession, as property, what, helped, what it helped at least one of them to see was that in the end, we were talking about a soul. Better the injustice of it going to the wrong mother than the tragedy of no soul at all. Wisdom always sees the soul. It explains so much of what Jesus was up to in his ministry, what people saw as possessions, what people saw as property, what people saw as issues, what people saw as law. Jesus always saw as souls. You remember when they brought the lame man before Jesus on the Sabbath, and what they wanted to have that whole thing be about was the issue of the Sabbath. They wanted to know what was legal on the Sabbath. Could you heal on the Sabbath? What can you do? What can't you do on the Sabbath? And so Jesus looked at the man who lay before them, who was being tugged around over the issue of the Sabbath, and Jesus saw a soul. Hey, people, he said, we have a soul here. We, we have a man who can't walk here. You're a, a little in over your heads here. And Jesus, to the chagrin of the law keepers, treated the one before him as if he had a soul. You remember the man who came to Jesus and asked him, whether he would be the arbiter over how much his family fortune should go to him and how much should go to his brother. And, and Jesus doesn't take the bait. He doesn't take the bait because wisdom doesn't see the issue. Wisdom sees the soul. And so in return, Jesus tells the story of the rich man who keeps getting more and more and more things and he keeps building bigger and bigger and bigger barns. And so he can stuff his stuff and stuff and stuff. And then before he knows it in the story, the Lord comes to him and says, fool, Tonight, your what? Your soul is being required of you. You thought it was about the dough, but it's always been about your soul. Or when that woman gets dragged before Jesus having committed adultery and the church council is ready to do what they know they can do, stone her to death, and they want Jesus' wisdom on this. They want him to weigh in on the law but Jesus doesn't take the bait, doesn't say anything about the law because the wisdom sees the soul. And he says, hey people, you know, we have a soul here. And he asks the man, how goes it with your souls? How goes the sin in your life? Let's, let's be this about you and not about her. And all of a sudden the stage empties and what's left is one soul. Has no one condemned you, he says. Well, neither do I. Go and do better. The truth is we can line up around all sorts of issues and positions and opinions, but it all boils down to the souls before us. I love the story that Jim Hirsch tells in his biography of Willie Mays. Willie Mays, when he was signed by the New York Giants, got sent first to the Giants double-A team 
in Trenton, the Black Barons, all-white team named the Black Barons. Mays was the first black player not only to join the team, but to, enjoy, to join that entire minor league conference. After the first game, the game that Mays did not play in, they boarded the bus in Hagerstown, Maryland, and made their way for the hotel. But first, they had to drive over to the colored side of town to a hotel for colored people and told Mays that he, yes, he alone, was the only one who was going to stay in that hotel. That's just the way it was back then. That's just no sense of arguing that issue. Mays got off the bus, a young 19-year-old kid, the first night away from home, all by himself in a hotel, a strange place to spend the night alone. The bus of white players sped away. A few hours later, as he got ready for bed, Mays heard a knock on the door. He opened it. It was three of his fellow black barons who had made their way back across town Hey, they said, we thought we'd chuck up on you. They did more than that. They slept on the floor that night while the young kids slept soundly in bed. Who knows what they thought about the issue of segregation. But hey, people, we have a soul here. Wisdom always sees the soul. Maybe that's what Atticus Finch was thinking. You remember Atticus Finch, to kill, to kill a Mockingbird, perhaps one of the wisest characters in all of literature. As he's trying to teach his young children how to navigate a world that includes the wrongly accused Tom Robinson and the strange neighbor, Boo Radley. Says Atticus to his young daughter, Scout, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Wisdom sees the soul. So the world's a pretty complex place. Lord knows there's lots of things I sure don't understand. How about you? The sea is so great, and my boat at least is so small. We are in over our heads. There isn't a lot that's going to change that, except perhaps first to admit it. And to do the first wise thing, to realize along with Solomon what little wisdom we really have. Little children not knowing whether what is right or what is wrong. We do our very best to understand, all along begging the Lord's guidance and seeing with his eyes the precious souls before us.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.